about I unpack and you detangle. Lazy dog. Get that proposal Dad. yet? Okay, good. Uh, can you do me a favor? Dad. Give it a good look over. Hang on a second. Dad. Here. Give Dad just a minute. Anyway, did you get that proposal yet? Okay, good. Uh, can you do me a favor? Give it a good look over. Almost. There's my head. There we go. Empathy is a, it's a powerful thing. Sympathy, not as much as empathy, but empathy, is, it's really quite a powerful thing. Maybe that's what you picked up as you watched that little bumper, that sermon intro, that the boy, he kind of saw a lady in need, and he felt empathy for her, for what she was going through, and he was compelled then by that empathy to then just walk in and help her just because of what he felt on the inside. Maybe that's what you saw. What I thought when I watched that was, if after falling off a tree, or falling off a ladder, and then having a tree crash down on me, all finishing with a dog licking my face, I'd be like, son, you're going to want to walk back out that door before you hear words you don't want to hear. Like, that's what I thought when I saw it. But empathy, it really is. It is powerful. Some of us are better at it than others. You might be surprised to know empathy is not really one of my strong suits personally. But hopefully, hopefully all of us have experienced at some point, at some point in our lives that we've experienced receiving empathy from somebody, somebody knows how we feel, and they, they show that empathy for, uh, towards us. And, and it just, it means so much to us when somebody notices what we're struggling with and what we're going through and that they feel what we feel, usually because, well, that, because they've experienced in their life as well. Then there are other times where maybe not as much personally, like one-on-one -on -one in person, but you, you hear a song or you read a poem and that perfectly describes or perfectly puts into words exactly what you're feeling at that moment. And you think to yourself, oh, thank God. Right? Thank God I'm not alone. I'm not alone. And oftentimes for me, it, it is, it's song lyrics. I really connect with music. When a, when a songwriter, when a lyricist takes perfect words and puts them in, in, in a rhyming way that I can hear them or hear them sung, and, and it expresses exactly what I'm feeling, almost as if it was written for me in that very moment of my life. And, and you guys probably have experienced that as well. Well, songs, they can kind of bring you back to a time in your life. Anyone else resonate with songs? Is it just me? Yeah, I think so. In fact, right now, it's, it's pretty common. A, a lot of us uh, at this time of year, we post called, what's called our Spotify Wrapped statistics. If, if you don't know what Spotify Wrapped is, it's, Spotify Wrapped is it's just simply the stats about songs that you listen to or uh, the, the records or, or the podcasts or whatever you listen to throughout 
the course of a year. The, and, and I believe, I think it's actually a pretty good picture of how we're feeling. Kind of what we may have gone through throughout the year. Maybe some things that we're thinking about ourselves or, or things that we're experiencing in our lives. Spotify wrapped, it doesn't lie, right? Like it just is what it is. It's what you've listened to. And so it's, it's just a hard facts about what's been going on, hopefully, and probably in your life, what you've been feeling over the course of the last year. And so many of you, the, the younger kids for sure, I know I posted mine. So many of you post your Spotify rap statistics. But I know that, I know that a lot of you don't follow Pastor Ronnie on, on social media. And so I just wanted to share with you, like to help you know what Ronnie's year has been like and what his Spotify rap has to say. And so this kind of tells us a little bit about Ronnie. And so if you look at here, it's really just... It's the, it's the caption that he placed upon it that says, I'm just a simple pop princess, what can I say? It really just gives you a picture of what Ron, man, I thought that'd be funnier than that. I mean, I'll tell you, I laughed harder than that when I was Photoshopping this on here. So I just love that Church Girl, is, I actually Photoshopped Church Girl on it. I've never heard the song, but I thought that'd be one that he would listen to the most over the course of a year. A song that's always resonated with me, and it really, as I was looking at it this past week, I realized it's like 20 years old, so I might kind of be shooting over these first few rows here. Maybe you've heard it. It's a song called Calling All Angels by Train. Do you guys remember that song? Anyway, I want to read to you the, the lyrics for the second verse of that song. It says this. It says, I need a sign to let me know you're here, right? You ever felt that way? I know I, I have certainly felt that way. Just, just please give me some sort of sign to know what's going on because my TV set just keeps it all from being clear. It's just saying like, hey, what I'm watching, what I'm seeing out there, like I, I can't get a clear picture that you're even with me. And maybe this is me, but I love this line. I want a reason for the way things have to be. Like we see so much going on and there's, there's junk going on in our world right now that we're seeing all over social media that when I look at it, man, I would love a reason, right? I'd love to understand like what's going on. The last night I need a hand to help build up some kind of hope inside of me. Do you... Do you ever feel that way? I guess a better question is, do you, ever, do you ever not feel that way, right? Where you're just like, hey, God, God, I just, I just need you to let me know that you're here. Like, I, I would take anything at this point, God. I need to know that you're paying attention. Because what I'm experiencing in my life, when I look around, I, I don't see anything that, that shows me that you're actually in control of what's going on, that you actually have any idea or care what's going on. You're, you're so mysterious. You're so distant at times, at least that's what it feels like. I just need a sign. I need a personal connection. And I, I, I know I'm not the first person to feel that way, and neither are you. In fact, you may not even be a person of faith at all. Or, or you may have walked away from faith a long time ago, or at, yet at times, you, almost kind of by accident, you find yourself just with nothing left to do. There's no other way for you to figure out what's going on, and so you have nothing left. And so you said, I don't know if you're there. I don't know if I'm just speaking to the air. I don't know if I even believe that you're there, but if you are, and if you are, I sure, I sure could use a sign. Maybe for you, maybe for the younger ones, you connect more with the great poet and theologian Jelly Roll. Jelly Roll, he says, I only talk to God when I need a favor. I only pray when I ain't got a prayer, right? Like maybe that connects better with some of you guys. I, I, I think it's because regardless of what we think we know, Regardless of what we think we believe, there are times in life where we'll run smack dab into something and we have nothing left to do. We have no other answer, no other response other than help. <laughs> help, I just, need, I just need a sign. And Philip, Philip was one of Jesus' 12 apostles. He, he had an honest moment like this as well. When he expressed the same kind of sentiment, the same kind of similar feeling that we have. And just so you know, like Jesus is, 
on his, on his way, he's it's just soon he's going to be arrested and ultimately crucified. They had just walked into Jerusalem together. And, and Jesus was being hailed as the next king. They were going to try and make him king. And, and the 12 that were with him, they're like, this is sweet, right? Like, we're the closest ones to the guy that's about to be king. This is going to go pretty well for us. That's, that's what they're thinking. And they're, they're sitting down for this Passover meal with Jesus. And Jesus just simply talks nonsense. It just doesn't make any sense to them that they can't figure out what's going on because they thought they had an idea of what was about to happen. Jesus isn't talking like that at all. And everyone in the room is trying to figure out what's going on. And Philip, he finally puts words. He puts words around maybe something that you felt. I know it's something that I felt. And Philip, he says this. Jesus, would you just show us the Father? Just show us. Just show us and that would be enough. That would be enough for me, and we can move forward, and, and what, everything you're saying, it would begin to make a little more sense if you would just show us the Father. We need to know God is paying attention. We just simply need to know he's here, and if we know that, we'll be fine. If we know that, we'll be fine. We can make it through this. And I'll tell you what, like, if I knew that with certainty, if you knew that with certainty, that in the midst of what you're dealing with and the, and the pain that you're feeling and the struggle that you're having, if, if just for a simple moment you could have a sign to know that God was with you, then not that you would walk out of that and it would all be gone, but you could deal with it. If I just knew that when this is all over, he's still going to be with me, that sign, you'd, you'd be fine. Or, or at least you'd be finer than you currently are. And maybe that's the reason. Maybe that's the reason you lost faith. Maybe that's the reason you're kind of reaching for the door, about to walk away from it all. It's because you, you've been looking for a sign. Or you've looked for a sign in the past and it just never happened. And so you're just left to, you're just, you're just left to wonder. Well, today we're, we're in part two of our series, Reasons for the Season. And like I mentioned last week, I mean, by this point, you've seen all the decorations. You've seen all the trees. You've seen the snowflakes. And like I said, you've seen the signs or the, or the bumper stickers or maybe the T-shirts that say that Jesus is the reason for the season. And again, like I said, I, I agree. The, the sentiment I, I, I agree with, right, that the idea of keep Christ in Christmas, Jesus versus the commercialization of Christmas, that, that we celebrate Christmas because Jesus was born, obviously, I agree with all of that. But since I am always working under the assumption that what Jesus had to say was true, I'm also always working under the assumption, it's kind of a crazy assumption, I understand, that God spoke to people and those people wrote words down. And so I'm always working under the assumption that what the New Testament writer said was true. Because of that, really, the reason for the season is you. <laughs> because no offense, you're pretty messed up. <laughs> and, and no offense to me, I'm... I'm pretty messed up. And, and if we weren't such a mess, there, there would be no Christmas. There would be no need for Christmas. The birth of Jesus, Christmas as it was, was about and for our benefit. And we have benefited from it in so, so many different ways. But over the next few weeks, we're, we're just looking at three specific reasons. Three specific reasons that Jesus came. And last week, in reasons for the season, we looked at the first week, and we said to bless the world, that Jesus came to bless the world. And I, I told you, from where I stand, uh, man, I, I hope you know I, I'm just super proud to be a part of this church because I believe that the world is a better place, that, that Elkhorn is a better place, that Omaha is a better place because of our church, that, that God sent Jesus to bless the world, and it is our job to carry on that legacy, that mission forward to continue to bless the world. And I think you guys do a great job. 
Uh, the second reason that we're going to look at today, that Jesus came to demonstrate God, to demonstrate what God is like for us. This was the theme of his entire three-year ministry. Every teaching he did was about doing this for us. I, I know so many of us, we, we, have a, we all have a concept, right? We have a concept of what we think God is like. We have a concept of what we've at least thought he was like. But here's something, you already know this. You may have never thought about this. Uh, it may feel weird for you to even think this way, but you can be wrong, right? Like you can be wrong about what God is like. And you know this to be true because at some point in your life, you've probably changed your mind about what you think God is like. Maybe you grew up in a religious tradition, or maybe, maybe you grew up in a completely different faith system, and, and now you're here with us today. Or maybe at one point you were atheist or agnostic at best, but now you actually believe. Maybe you grew up with a faith, and you're a lot closer to that atheist agnostic side than, than you'd like to admit. Either way, at a different time in your life, you had a thought or an idea of what you believed God to be like that's different than the thought you have right now, and they can't both be true at the same time. So you were either wrong then, or you're wrong now, or you've been wrong both times. But either way, you can be wrong about what you thought or think God is like. In fact, the Apostle Paul, we talk about him all the time, he was wrong once. And he was the author of like half of our New Testament. But before Paul met Jesus, he was sure he was extremely confident. He knew what God was like, and he knew he was right with God. And then suddenly, in a moment, in a moment, he realized he was wrong on both accounts. His sudden reversal was the result of a personal encounter with a risen Jesus. There was nothing left for him at that point than to say that he was wrong. This is what's crazy. Like, think about Paul, was, he was a Pharisee. He was a religious leader, which meant that he knew the insides and outs of the Old Testament, top to bottom. He knew it, and, and it was his job to go teach it. And so, like, after years of theological training, but after just one moment encounter with the risen Jesus, Paul went from this description of himself. He, he said this about himself. He said, as for righteousness, talking about the law and, and all the law from the Old Testament and living that out for, for what God wanted from him. As for righteousness, faultless. Faultless. That's a pretty stinking bold statement. But then, then he meets the risen Jesus. Then he meets the risen Jesus, and this is what he has to say about himself. He said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Prior to meeting Jesus, he had an idea of what he thought God was like. Prior to meeting Jesus, he, he knew for sure that he was right with God, and he meets Jesus, and he decides, no, I, I'm not only not right with God, I'm the worst of sinners. What happened? What happened? Well, Paul, he, he kind of summarizes it, referring to Old Testament, Old, Old Covenant stuff, the first half of our Bible, referring to that and re really referring to all kinds of world religious traditions at the time and, and, and the way that they thought about God. He's referring back to that, and he says this, in Colossians, he said, these are just shadows of things that were to come. You can tell something about a thing based on the shadow it casts, but you can't tell everything. Shadows are extremely deceiving. Ironically, I ran across this photo. It popped up on Facebook Memories on Wednesday while I was playing the sermon. I thought I'd share it with you. So this is a photo. Pastor Jimmy took this photo of me quite a few years ago. And by, based on what you see in the shadow, it looks like I'm, I'm about ready to step on the Olympia stage, man. I'm ready to go. 
Well, I have never once been ready to step on the Olympia stage. And so this shadow, it, it distorts. It, it leaves much to the imagination. Paul is saying that all that came before, all that stuff that came before was just simply incomplete. It was simply signs, signs pointing to the thing, the, the, the shadow caster. I, I thought I was right with God until I had an encounter with the shadow caster. And then he continues. He says this. He says, the reality, however, the reality, the truth about the thing that casts the shadow is that it's found in Christ. Jesus, it's a person. Until the arrival of Jesus, the world was just simply left to guess. There was so much mystery to this whole idea of God, all, all these different religious systems trying to figure out who this God thing was, as bigger than them type of thing was. They, they were just hints and shadows, and every religion was pointing to, is currently pointing to something beyond us. Then on that very first Christmas, on that first Christmas, God, the shadow caster, came to dwell with us. You see, the reason Jesus came to be with us was to demonstrate God for us, to demonstrate what God was like, to demonstrate who God likes and how to be right with God the Father. You see, there's always going to be mystery because God has to accommodate our, to our capacity for understanding. He has to accommodate with our ability to understand. Things. We, we're kind and compassionate enough to do that with our children. Why wouldn't he be that for us as well? For example, where do babies come from? I mean, that it depends on who's asking, or at least it should depend on who's asking, right? Is it a 5-year-old? Is it a 15-year-old? Is it a 25-year-old? And if it's a 25-year-old, you've got all kinds of other questions to answer, I can guarantee that. How do you get 600 tons of an Airbus airplane in the air? It just depends on who's asking. Is it a 5-year-old, a 15-year-old, a 25-year-old aerospace engineer guy? Well, it just depends on who's asking. That's how you answer the questions. Well, God is the same. He's accommodating to people's capacity. And at Christmas, God decided that our capacity, he, he, that we could understand that he would reveal himself to us in the clearest way that we would know how to understand, the clearest way possible when he entered the world through Jesus. And he entered the world through Jesus because he wanted you to know. And he wanted me to know. He wanted the world to know what he was like. Here's how Jesus explained it. When he was gathered with his 12 disciples, I, I kind of talked about the story a little bit earlier. They just walked into Jerusalem with the hail the king, Hosanna, all the stuff, uh, the palm trees on the ground, all that stuff. They just walked in, and then it's time for the Passover meal. And at the Passover meal is when, when Jesus begins to talk nonsense, at least to them. They, they had no idea what he was talking about. He started talking about the fact that he was going to be betrayed. But, but even worse than that, he... He was leaving, and they couldn't go with him. And they, 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 they had been with him. That's all they'd ever known for those three years was being with him. But he was about to leave, and he's saying they can't go with him. And, and Peter's like, hey, this, that's not true. I'm going with you. I'm going with you, and I don't care where you're going, but I'm going. I'd, I'd even die with you. I'd die for you. That's going to happen. And Jesus tells him, yeah, I hate to tell you, you, you can't go, and you wouldn't. There's tension in the room, right? There's so much going on that nobody seems to understand. And Jesus smiles at them and, and he begins to speak. And, and here's the deal. Like when we read scripture, I, I try and help you guys do this all the time. We read it like, a, like it's just Bible talk, right? Like we don't really understand it. But what I want to help you do is just try and understand what it was really like in the room. Because they would have been sitting at a table, lounging at the table. Jesus would have been sitting here like this. 
Oh, he had a robe, so hopefully he was like this. But <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> sorry. If I made anybody uncomfortable in that moment, I'm sorry. So Jesus, he's got his kefelta fish and his matzo balls, right? He's got he's got his last little bite. Hey, hey, uh, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You you believe in God, believe also in me. And and we preached about this before. You, hopefully you've heard this. This is insanity. Jesus has just equated himself with God. And these, these 12 boys, these 12 men had spent their entire lives uh, believing something that if somebody was to say that they were like God, they would walk out of the room and tear their clothes because that would be so blasphemous. It would, it would be so unimaginable to them. And yet they stayed in John, who's writing this for us. He's like, I get it, right? Like, that's what we should have done. That, that's what we thought we should have done because what we thought about God, that's what it told us we should do. And he's like, but hey, you weren't, if you remember like four chapters ago, we were with him when he raised that guy from the dead. And not like a little dead, like very, very dead. And he raised, and so like, we just figured we'd stay. We figured we'd stay and hear, and hear what else he had to say. And so he goes on, he said, my father's house, my father's house has many, it has many rooms. And the, the unfortunate thing about this translation is if, if you grew up King James Bible or anything like that, you probably heard many mansions. Well, the, it's not a great translation. It should be words. So if you thought you were getting a mansion, you're only getting a room. I'm sorry to tell you that on Christmas, but that's kind of the idea. That's the best translation. The abodes are many is how it's really translated. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And eventually, eventually you'll join me, Peter. Not yet. Like, it's, calm down. And if I go and prepare a place for you, then I'll come back. I'll come back and you'll be with me and you'll also be where I am. And Jesus, at this point, I mean, like, he's just dipping bread in the last little bit of soup and at the same time saying, I'm about to die. I'm about to die. Uh, and I'm going to go visit the Father, and then I'm, I'm going to come back. <laughs> Which we read it all the time, like it's just a normal thing to say. It wasn't a normal thing to say. And then he goes on, and this, this gets even crazier. He goes, hey, you know, you, know, you know the way to the place where I'm going. And then Thomas, he's over here going, uh, Bartholomew, do you know? Uh... Lord, uh, no, we don't. Uh, I, I actually have no, I, I have no idea where you're going. So how, how could I know the way? And I say this all the time. I hope it doesn't get annoying or boring to you. But one of the reasons I believe the gospel is to be true is because of how honest they are. Like if, if they were writing something fake, if they were making something up, they would, they would make themselves look pretty awesome. And Thomas doesn't look really awesome right here, like at all. And Jesus answered, he goes, he goes on this kind of famous verse alert for you. I am the way. I'm the way. And the truth and the life. And then no one gets to the Father except through me. In fact, in fact, if you try to get to God without me, you'll miss him completely. Which leads to what Jesus says next. It's really the reason for the season and the, and the reason he came. He says, hey, if you know me. If you know me, you, you actually already know my father. And from now on, you, you, you do know him, and you have seen him. <laughs> They're like, what? We do? 
Yeah, it's why I came. It's why I stuck around. It's why I drug you around with me everywhere I went. See, the implication is you know what the Father is like because you know what I'm like. Jesus is just saying, he's trying to be clear. He's like, hey, I'm as good as it gets. I'm as close as you're ever going to get to understanding what God is really like. I came to kind of reduce the mystery for you, to add some personality around it for you, but you still don't get it. They still didn't get it. And don't think too highly of yourself because you wouldn't either. I wouldn't have either. We have the whole story. We have start to finish. We know the beginning and we know the end and we still don't get it. I still get discouraged. I still get confused. I still have doubt. And if you're looking anywhere other than to Jesus to understand what God is like, you're just looking in the wrong place. It's going to be confusing. You might think, Matt, that's just really exclusive. For me, I, I, I actually think it's just clarifying. And, and then we see the verse that we kind of hit on earlier. Philip, he says this again. He says, Lord, just show us. Just, just show us the Father, and that would be enough for us. If you could just show us the Father, then, then we could stand in courage. We'll, we, we will walk alongside of you because we would know that God is with us. Show us the Father. And Jesus is like, what are you talking about? What do you think I've been doing for the past three years? It's the entire reason I came, and he looks at Philip, and he says, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has already seen the Father. How can you even ask to to show you the Father? Don't, Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? And then he says a line that I just love. The, the words that I say to you, I, I speak on my own authority. I don't speak on my own authority. Rather, it, it's the Father that's speaking through me, and he is the one doing the work in me. Jesus is saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've heard me, you've heard the Father. If, you, if you've watched me work, you've seen the Father work. I don't do anything on my own. Believe me. <laughs> Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me, and then this is so powerful. Or just... Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. And maybe that's powerful for you. Maybe all the other stuff is really hard to, to, to believe. But man, can't you see the work that he's done? Can't you just simply believe based on the evidence that you've seen in your own life? So what's the reason for the season? It's to remove some mystery. It's to add some personality. It's to bring some clarity around. To reduce the distance if you will, and diminish the shadows. Do you, do you really want to know what God is like? Do you want to know who God likes and, and, and how God would have you respond? Don't look out there. <laughs> That's a pretty easy one. Don't, don't look out there in the world and what they're doing. And, and don't even look in here. Don't even look in here. You, you simply look at Jesus. It may help to know that the guys in the room with Jesus, they didn't get it. Jesus claimed to be God in a body. He said all these things. They had seen all the evidence. And later that evening, Judas still goes and sells him out. And he's the one we focus all of our attention on. But what about the others? <laughs> they all ran like cowards. They ran away while Jesus was being arrested. They didn't have quite enough faith to stick around. They didn't know for sure that God was with them in that moment. But these very men, These very same men who ran like cowards would be the ones to ensure that the claims of Jesus survived the first century. 
along with the women who followed Jesus, they are the reason that the words and the works of Jesus were ever even documented for you and I to read in future generations. After the resurrection, they were so convinced, finally, they were so convinced that Jesus and the Father were one. They were convinced that Jesus didn't just simply have the best explanation for God, that they were convinced that Jesus is the explanation of God. The guys in that room last, or that night would assure you, they, they would implore you, like, don't draw conclusions about God based on your circumstances. Don't draw conclusions about the love of God or how he feels about you based on the things that are going on in your life currently. They'd say, hey, we made the same mistake. <laughs> we made the same mistake. We looked at the circumstances of the moment, and, and we made conclusions about what we thought God was like in that moment, and so we ran. They would tell you, do not make conclusions about the love of God in your life based on what's going on in your life currently. And don't depend on traditions. Traditions, the, 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 those trips us up as well. Like we lived our lives based on tradition. And, and when it came down to it, those were simply shadows of the thing that was to come. The reality is not some simple concept or a theological idea. The reality is a person, God in the flesh, who came to dwell among us. And don't look within the world constantly, everywhere you look, is telling you to look inside your own heart and, and make decisions about what's right for you. But I'll tell you, because you're wounded, you're, you have an experienced shape heart, it can't be trusted always. Do you want to know what God is like? Do, do you want to know how much he loves you? Then God is like Jesus. The reason Jesus came was to illustrate and to demonstrate and to communicate what God is like, who he is, what he likes, who he likes, who he loves. And they would all agree that God loves you. You are the reason that he came. And when all is said and done, the, the reason for the season is you. One of the best things that I think you can do over this Christmas season, I would love to, to challenge you with this. If you have a Bible at home, go ahead and grab it, uh, dust it off, grab the Swiffer. <sighs> no shame. Just get it, get it nice and dust free. If you don't have one at home or if you don't have one that you can understand, which is really a key part as well, uh, then you can always download the Bible app. And there's plenty of options on there that would be easier for you to understand what the writers were originally trying to say. It would be helpful for you. I want to challenge you to read the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John's what we've been reading out of this morning. And I want you to read it with just one simple question in mind. What do I learn about the Father from the Son? You see, if Jesus came to reveal the Father, if the reason Jesus came to be with us was to demonstrate God for us, then, then as I read the Gospel of John, what am I learning about the Father from the Son? Although I think you'll surely learn a lot of things. One thing I know that you'll learn is that he was the sign to assure you that God is with you. That he is the sign to assure you that God cares about you. That he is the sign to assure you that God knows the details of your life. It was a little later on, John, the same John, would pen words that are so well known. We probably memorized them as kids. If we didn't, we've surely seen them somewhere by now. The words, for God so loved you that he gave to the world a sign. A sign that, that whoever would choose to trust in him would never be lost to God again. That God would never be lost to them 
again. And so however those words hit you, whether they seem believable to you or completely unbelievable to you, I still want to challenge you, hey, read the gospel. Just read it. See what happens. Read it and find out with this question in mind, what do I learn about the Father from the Son? Because he is the perfect representation of holy creator God our Father. God our Father who loves you. Before we wrap up today, I want to share something with you. I, every time on a Sunday morning when I sit down at my desk early morning to, to kind of finish things up and prepare, I pray this prayer. I say, God, I am willing. I will change anything. I will remove anything. I will add anything. I will scrap the whole thing, but please don't make me. <laughs> right? Like, I pray that every time. And, and I don't hear much that, that often. Uh, this morning, I, I heard something clear as day. And so for a moment, I, I just want to appease me in this, that I, I believe that God spoke to me because I think there's somebody in the room today, somebody watching online, it could be somebody watching a year from now, I don't know, but God gave me a specific word, and he said, tell this story, and so I'm telling the story. So there's this guy named Gideon, he's in the Old Testament stories in the book of Judges, so I, I pull it up, God said, read the story, and so I read the story, and I want to tell you a little bit about Gideon. Gideon, and he's, he's, in, the, he's in the wine press room, and, he, and he's He's hiding wheat in this room because enemies are coming to take them over. And, and he has nothing left to do but to try and figure out how to save his family by hiding this wheat. And an angel of the Lord shows up to him. The angel shows up to him and says, hey, Gideon, I, I want you to take your army, which wasn't very big at the time. And I want you to go defeat these other armies for God's people, for the Israelites, so that you can have your land back. And he's like, I don't know. I don't know if you've looked around much, but... It doesn't look like God's with us around here. Like I'm literally in here hiding wheat. It doesn't look like he's been with us for a while. And so Gideon's like, all right. All right, well, God, if, if you're really with me, then, then I need a sign. I need a sign to let, you know, let me know you're here. And so I, I, I don't know. I, okay, I got this blanket. I got this blanket. I'm going to put this blanket out on the ground. And when I wake up in the morning... If there's dew on the blanket but not on the ground, then I'll know you're with me. And so he wakes up the next morning and walks outside. Sure enough, blanket is sopping wet. He brings it out into a bowl, and he's like, ooh, okay. All right, God, don't get mad, right? Like, one, one more sign. So if you've ever asked for another one, don't, you weren't the first one to do it, right? And so Gideon says, okay, yeah, how about this time? Okay, I'm going to put the blanket out on the ground, and this time, if the ground is wet, and the blanket is dry, then I'll know you're with me. And sure enough, he wakes up and he goes outside the next, di next day and the blanket is bone dry. And so Gideon finally, after two pretty amazing signs, decides, okay, yeah, I think God's with me. I'm going to go do what he has asked me to do. And so in reading that story, there was, there was one other thing that I felt like God told me specifically to say, th these specific words. And I don't know, like, I, don't, I, I think there might be somebody in the room who has for a long time been searching after God. And they don't know, they don't know which one. <laughs> they don't even know what it even means, but they're searching for something beyond themselves. And currently, Jesus is an option. He's an option, along with all the other options. And the the words that were clear as day to me this morning were, Jesus is the option. He is the only option. And so if you're trying to find your way to God by going past Jesus, you're going to miss God completely. Jesus is your option to know God. Would you pray with me?
Like I said, I have no idea. I, I honestly don't if that person's in the room today. I don't know if anybody's in the room today who has yet to put their faith in Jesus, who has yet to surrender themselves to the one who gave everything for them. But I want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. So I'm going to pray a prayer that can help you put your faith in Jesus. You can repeat after me silently. Just say, Jesus, I know that you love me. And Jesus, because of that love, I'm compelled to ask for your forgiveness. Would you be the forgiver of my sins and the leader of my life? God, I thank you for the way that you currently speak, that you continue to speak in our lives and in our hearts, and we can know your presence. God, I am eternally grateful for the sign of Jesus, that he points us to you. God, I'm also grateful for the little signs in our lives that we see all the time. So many of them that we look past and don't even give credit to you for. But God, I pray that you would open our eyes to every single time you put a sign in our life to let us know that you're with us. God, we are weak-minded, feeble people. Like we just, we just need to know over and over and over again. And you're so gracious. You're so gracious to continue to show us that you're with us. And so I pray that you do that in this season. Lord, we love you. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.